the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Thank you very much. Welcome to another episode of The Boys of Tech. This is New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. This episode is number 341 for the week commencing Monday the 27th of July 2015. My name is Edwin Herman. I'd like to welcome on the panel my regular co-host, Brad King. Howdy, hey. Hey, Brad, it's good to have you along. Uh, it's, uh, you haven't been on the show for a little while. Yeah. yeah. You've been busy and sick. Been busy You've and been sick. been unwell, yeah. <laughs> Are you well now? Yep. Great. You sound well. And I was talking mm. to you just before we uh, started the show and, uh, uh, you certainly sound a, a lot better than you did weeks back. Yeah. Which is good. All right, so I just got a couple of stories uh, I thought I'd bring to the table. The first of which, uh, this, I think anyone who pays attention to tech would have heard about in the last week, but it's fantastic. So let's talk about it. It's interesting, I should say. So let's talk about it. Yeah, it's not really fantastic. It's not, it's not fantastic. It's bad news, really, but it's mm-hmm. it's a very interesting story. So uh, this is about the uh, the vehicle, which happened to be a Jeep Cherokee, but what, what we're about to talk about uh, applies to a lot of Fiat Chrysler models. Hackers have managed to find a way of effectively hacking the vehicle and controlling it remotely. My God. In a nutshell. Didn't we talk about this on a previous article? <laughs> didn't you, Brett, say that there that this is a weak point and this will happen one day? Didn't you Indeed. say that? Indeed. Did I not predict that? I <laughs> think I did, along with anybody else with a modicum of sense <laughs> and some knowledge of technology. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was always on the cards. As soon as you brought the Internet of Things into the car and didn't lock it behind significant security, uh, especially making everything connected to everything else. Nothing is stupider than connecting the entertainment system, which you want to be open and connectable to other devices, to the central operating system of the car itself. Yeah. And unfortunately for Chrysler, Fiat Chrysler, their cars using the, what is it called? Yeah, the Uconnect um, head system, their cars are all uh, open to hacking, open to hacking from kilometers away from people sitting in their homes, being able to not only hack in and do malicious things, such as they did in the example here where they put the brakes, well, no, they cut the brakes, they... um, applied the brakes at certain times, stopped the brakes working at other times, made the engine go, made the engine not go, turned the stereo on full blast, mm-hmm. made the windshield air-con wipers well. go, air-con. yeah, the aircon going. They put a picture up on the, <laughs> uh, on the um, display unit. So, yeah, they did everything that we talked about being capable of doing um, to put a vehicle in danger for the occupant and for everybody else around that vehicle. Now, Brett, we, so, should, we should point out to our listeners here, if, if you're not familiar with the story, this was done in a, uh, a somewhat controlled environment 
somewhat controlled. Somewhat, it was done on a public road. But what I mean Indeed, is that the person who was road. driving <laughs> the vehicle knew it, they were in on it, right? They, yes, th- they was, knew they were about to be yeah. hacked. It was the, so it wasn't the, an they were there as the test. Yeah, it wasn't an yeah. attack on someone. No. But the point is, though, depending on how crafty you are, it, it could be one day uh, done on someone who is unsuccessful. Unsuspecting. And it could be the put into deliberately um, and obviously malicious use, such as causing car accidents. But the other thing that they were able to do was they could get all of the information from the car. So they knew where the car was because of its GPS. They oh, yeah. could, you know, everything that was connected to the car was accessible to these hackers. So all of that information that was going on, it's, yeah. It's scary <laughs> stuff. It is scary stuff. And it is stuff that, you know, as soon as the, we started to see these stories of insecure systems or massively integrated um, network systems within vehicles. It was a no-brainer that this was going to happen. And unfortunately, if you own a Fiat Chrysler that has a Uconnect system in it, then you are vulnerable to having your vehicle taken over by malicious hackers who will cause you to crash or could cause you to crash. You know, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's yeah. the other thing. Mm. Inside that car, if you're in that driver's you seat and somebody it. else has taken over, you can't override it. Because they tried You can't that. turn off the system. They tried it. You can't, yeah. <laughs> so once a hacker has control of it, they have total control. Mm. There, there is, is there no, is the handbrake. There is a handbrake, right? There are, well, there, yeah. And handbrakes are designed, are supposed to be strong enough to, to prevent the car from pulling off if it's... And uh, they're that's if they're properly maintained. Correct. And that's if they aren't connected to an electronic hydraulic system, which the hacker might also have control of. Uh, I thought handbrakes, or I think they call, do they, do they call them parking brakes or emergency brakes or something in, in other countries? Um, in any event, I thought those had to be, by law, I thought they had to be a direct cable, a physical cable, not by wire or by hydraulic. Really? Isn't that? I don't know. I don't know the, the laws around that. I, thought, I, I, I could be wrong, but I, I don't know where be. I got that from, but I thought that was the case. If they just utilise the same braking system that the pedal brakes use, a lot of that's all, you know, fly-by-wire now, so... Mm. If it's done through electronic hydraulics, then that would also be, you know, something able to be taken over. So, Brett, just think about this for a while, because I was thinking about this story and I was thinking, rewind 50 years. Imagine telling someone in the mid 60s that in 50 years time, someone who was malicious could control your vehicle Whilst they're sitting in their lounge and you're driving, and they know where you are. They can put pictures on your on a screen in your car. They can. Well, it would have seemed like magic. Th- th- I know, they'd, <laughs> they'd, be, they'd say, "What are you talking about? You're bonkers." Well, how, Indeed, how? this, this makes is, no this sense. Is a, hey, this is a, a it's not big thing. It's run by combustion, and it's got a big shaft which turns wheels, and it's got another shaft which allows you to pivot the wheels. And it's got a pedal which makes it go faster and a pedal that makes it stop. There's there's nothing in there that anybody can control without being in the car. Exactly. How but can it happen? Electronics. Electronics and this idea of the Internet of Things is 
taking off, but people aren't considering well, the whole thing. You know, people think about, oh, this, look at all these things we can do. Mm. And nobody ever stops to consider whether or not they are things they should do or what the repercussions of doing those things is going I to mean, be. Yeah, I Because there are I a lot of benefits so- of these. Oh, yeah. But yeah. without putting in the proper security, they are life threatening. This is a life-threatening hack. This yeah. isn't a hack that is going to cause you a mild inconvenience. If you're doing, uh, you know, um, 100 kilometers on the open road or whatever that is in miles per hour. and 65, I think. Yeah, and somebody decides, you know what, you don't need brakes and disables your brakes. Yeah. Then, you know, that's a an accident. And at 100 kilometers an hour with somebody who is able to, you know, have control of all of the things in your car, such as possibly disabling your airbags, that's death on yeah. impact. It's, this is, yeah. it's really worrying. It is incredibly worrying. And car manufacturers should wake up and their tech people should be slapped around the face, fired, replaced by people who know something about security, and then them going in and going, okay, let's air yap all this stuff. (laughs) And let's put all this stuff on security. Yeah, I I guess. But also, let's not jump to conclusions. It may be that they had considered the risks, they had weighed them up, and there are some things, and as you know, as you've done coding before, there are some things you just... Can it, it's never going to be 100%. So there's a difference between... Ed, if it's going to put people's lives at risk, then there is no such thing as acceptable. Well, I... Uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's the fact that... <laughs> it's about it, putting it, it's in about appropriate coding. protection and about putting in appropriate redundancies so that the, you know, the likelihood of a failure is minimal. Let's statistically w- let's w- let's impossible, wait and see improbable. What the, let's wait and but see what this is, this is, this is, you know, blatant disregard for security. If somebody can do this while sitting in their home and control somebody else's car. Well, clearly something is wrong. I guess what I'm saying is let's, let's wait and see what the response is. I understand well, what you're saying. The response should it's, be some it, serious action on the part of Fiat Chrysler to fix what is an obvious significant security risk that is going to put the lives of people on this planet in danger. Yeah, and fix it pronto as well. Yeah, Mm. and not just the lives of the people involved in the car, the lives of everybody around that car. Oh yeah, exactly. This is not just the occupants of the car that might die because it's whoever else is shooting the road, hit. the footpath, exactly uh, the environs, the car park space, wherever that vehicle is. Yep. 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 All you need is for one of these Jeeps to suddenly have their car stop in a, you know, railway crossing. Suddenly you've got a derailment, hundreds of people, thousands of people impacted. This is. This is scary stuff, and it is significant, and it should not be belittled. Mm, no, exactly. Or uh, made light of. This is something that must be fixed and should not be tolerated. Not in a civilized society, not in a safety-conscious society. Well, you know, I would probably also guess that the Uconnect system is not the only one to be vulnerable. Well, oh, definitely not. And it's only a matter of time. But you know what? The one thing I will say about this is that, if you like, the silver lining on this is that the hackers have done this 
in a consented environment, in a in a somewhat controlled environment. So what I'm saying is that this is going to be patched. Let's hope that there is further uh, security research that is done that patches more holes before the bad guys find the holes. Indeed. So this is unfortunate, but it's also helpful at the same time, if you understand where I'm coming from. I agree. Indeed, prevention is it better is only than cure, through these sorts of disclosures that we're going to find out that there has been this sort of corporate negligence. Hmm. Yep. All right, so let's move on. That's the uh, Chrysler, Fiat Chrysler story. The only, I've only had two stories, as I said, so this one is kind of an interesting one, and I love it. It's, <laughs> you've probably heard of it as well, Brett. It's a, a computer that's been running since the 1980s. Yeah, you heard that correct, 1980s, 30 years ago. It controls the, is it the heating and the air conditioning in about a dozen schools in a district in the US? Mm-hmm. 19 schools, actually, I think. It's been running since the 1980s, and they haven't replaced it yet, and it's still running. It's a Commodore. Yeah, and it's, it's been running 24-7. Yeah, 24-7. It's a Commodore. Indeed. I don't know. Is it an Amiga or a, a I think it's an Amiga by the, by the look of it. It's an Amiga, right. How crazy is this? What school has the heating and air, control, air conditioning controlled by a Commodore computer from the 80s? Well, obviously one that was <laughs> looking to the future. I mean, you could say if it ain't, if you, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Is, no, is, hell no. Is, is you some, do not you want know? to be replacing that thing if it is working and running with something else which is going to break down every few months and need to be rebooted constantly. And patched and all that. But, you know, <laughs> having, said, constantly, having exactly. said that, the risk they do have is uh, if it does fail, it's not like they've got spare parts, you know, standing by. They have to get stuff off eBay and, uh, and they already mm. have, but... You know, there is risk. You, you can't just get, you know, a, a one-hour computer fix-it guy to, you know, whip up something and, and you're back online. You know, it'll take a while. And they oh, know that. And that's depends. why they're replacing Which, it. They don't know, replace well, it. But I thought it was you know, kind of cool. All they need to do is actually just find out what the, the, the chips are. You, you wouldn't be able to get a lot <laughs> Because of for a lot of that stuff in the in the logic board, you just go, oh, look, that one chip there is fried. You just pop yeah, it but off. A lot of them you can't get, though, Brett. A lot of them you can't get now. Well, so, you just look on eBay. There are... Tons of Commodore 64s and oh, yeah, for parts. other and that's what they, around there. That's what they're doing. That well, they have done in the past on this. They have replaced parts from stuff they've had on eBay. But what this is what I'm saying. It's not impossible, but it, they don't have that that same turnaround. Hmm. But in any event, isn't that cool that there oh, are 19 cool. schools in the US, or at least 19, I don't know if there's another situation like this, but in this case, 19 schools, heating and air con, run by a computer that's been running 24-7 since the <laughs> 1980s. Hmm. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's know. something to be said about those computers, right? Well, definitely. They were built way more robustly than computers these days. And, well, obviously, more simply yeah, lack <laughs> than of computers complexity. these days. Um, mm. But they still had a, a lot of power and a lot of utility. You could just by having it and knowing how to program, make it interface with all kinds of stuff because it already had that capability built in. You didn't have to buy extension cards or extra things to adapt that you have to plug in through USB or something like that. And they were significantly more robust to power surges and things. You didn't need to have a massive surge protector <laughs> or UPS system to to um, treat the power going into them. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. There's built more robust. And the fact that these things, you know, last and run for ages and are still usable. Mm. Whereas now, far too many electronic devices have a built in obsolescence of what, three to five years? Yeah. And after that, you're often getting something that is not supported anymore, but also is not usable anymore. Mm. I think a lot of that now is more and more becoming software than hardware. Oh, a in, lot of it's it, hardware as well. In the nine, well, Because it's, it's less, of the upgrades to the software, yeah, they will enhance the software yeah, to such a point now. that it can no longer work on hardware that existed, you know, five years ago. Whereas well, if you look yeah, at things less, like less the, the Amiga and Commodore 64, they built those things over, you know, 10, 20 years those things were being built and you could take software that was designed to be run on the brand new one and you could run it on the old one. But Brett, I think there's less of that now. The speeds of computers are are now such that there is less need to have to upgrade to the next fastest. There are cases like gaming and things like that and and 3D rendering. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm talking about general purpose applications, especially things like controllers. But if we're looking at the computer devices that people use all the time, such as smartphones and tablets, those things are made obsolete. And I mean, really obsolete, as in the software, the OSs are upgraded on them so that the device that you bought four years ago is no longer able to run the latest version of the OS and therefore no longer able to run any of the apps that get upgraded for it. Oh, yeah. Smartphones and and mobile devices. Absolutely. Incredibly obsolete. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about those devices. Unusable. But in the PC world, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it's less so than oh, yeah. it's, back in the 2000s and the, the 1990s world. Yeah. where you always sought to, to get that faster processor just so that Windows itself could run better, let alone anything else you've got. And yep. yeah, That's because a lot of the, they're for, at least for PC um, OSs, you've got a lot more thought being put into how to run, how to get the power, but be economical about it how to be conservative about it, which means that you don't bloat out these systems. And so, yeah, the operating systems have trimmed themselves down from the bloat they were getting in the 90s, early 2000s. But, you know, I also have heard of banks as well that have these outdated obs- systems that are really considered obsolete these days. Oh, yeah. Things like VAX VMS systems. Course, yeah, yeah, a lot of core systems yeah. are still running on things r- written in COBOL and other yep. stuff. Financial institutions are big employers of COBOL programmers. Because <laughs> mm. <Some laughs> they still so have all to, of these core it's hard things. It's to swap these systems out. Yeah, yeah, because they're constantly used. And they're complex And if they're constantly well. used, you can't, just, you can't just swap it out and have a period of, you know, un, you know not being used. Mm. You can't just turn off the global economy. Well, there you have it, Brett. We know it's been confirmed. 19 schools at least in the US are being, having their heating and air conditioning controlled by a Commodore from the 1980s. I love it. I just love that story. It is very cool. (laughs) It's not somebody who's, you know, pulled the old Commodore 64 they had out of their closet from when they were a child and decided to see what they can do in their home with it, like connected to the internet or any of those sorts of stories. This is one where somebody bought it way back in the time when it was new, uh, decided that this was a good use for it. And it's just been being used for that same thing constantly ever since then yeah exactly a real life situation yeah it's great very cool (laughs) i certainly remember the uh, commodore 64 back in the day i 
Oh, it was a great machine. You could you could poke around literally, you know, with poke commands, uh, poke around in, in machine code and and different parts of the memory map. Yeah, you got the, the manual the, with the memory the map. random things that we attempted to do with the Commodore oh, yeah. sixty four. Do you remember a game we 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 came up with called Roadhog? Yeah, and you, what you mean now? Our poor Frogger clone. Yeah, our poor, yeah, it was a Frogger <laughs> clone, yeah. But you know what was terrible about that? How slowly it ran. I mean... I know. The, the, the vehicles, because I, I wrote it in basic, not machine code, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the cars would sort of inch up a few pixels every few seconds, like donk, donk, donk. And after about, you know, 20 seconds, the vehicles made it to the other side of the screen, and, and your frog, of course, or whatever it was, that was jumping was across the road... Uh, That's why was, we called it Roadhog. What's that? That's why we called it Roadhog because it was a pig. Oh yeah, that's yeah okay right. I don't remember that part, but <laughs> there you go. Anyway, um, that was just I have a vague slow. recollection of the the icon. But the look, sprite. I, I don't recall. I really don't recall. But what I tell you, the other thing I do recall though is I remember after that thinking, okay, uh, I'm going to try and figure out animating sprites in machine code. And I remember, right, I, I may have actually mentioned this once before in an early uh, episode of this podcast, but I'll say it again. So I made this sprite move from zero on the left of, of the screen to 255, which wasn't all the way to the right because it was a 320 screen, I think so, but about three quarters of the way across. And so I wrote this machine code and this was, I didn't have an assembler. So it was either basic or machine code for me. There was nothing in between like like the mm-hmm. assembler, like most, most people do. So I was literally poking, um, you know, numbers into into memory so I, I wrote this routine and I ran it and it, something wasn't right because you know the sprite would be on the left and then it would appear on the right and it wasn't motioning across <laughs> I, I couldn't for the life so you had a, a catch 22 what the basic was too slow and machine code was too fast well yeah you've kind of given it away but that's exactly what it was I was trying to figure out what's wrong with this and I did a, a, a 1 to 255 loop to slow it down and that didn't fix it so I thought I'm doing something wrong then I put a, a nested 1 to 255 loop so it was being slowed down by 65,536 times slower and then you could see it whip across the screen that's how fast <laughs> machine code was Yep. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. It really was. And this is, we're talking about a one megahertz machine, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine what one gigahertz machines do these days. And yes, there's the overhead of the OS. I understand that. But even so, isn't it? Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Mm. We had a lot of fun on the Commodore 64, right? We we programmed some games and things, didn't we? Yeah. And uh, and whatnot. And mm. the, the, what was it? The, the Chinese Zodiac program? Oh, yeah, remind me about that. Was it, you enter your birthday and it tells you something? Yeah, it tells you what, you know, what Chinese Zodiac year you were born in. Oh, yeah. That's, va- <laughs> I, I, do you know what, All I'd the things forgotten. you think of when you're in high school. <laughs> do you know what, you've just taken me right back to 19, whatever it was, 91 or something. Because I'd, mm. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about that, that one. I knew we'd done some programming together, but I, I'd yeah, forgotten about we, that. remember we borrowed the, um, we borrowed the Chinese Zodiac from a friend of ours, Takeaway place. Oh, did we, is that where we got that from? Or well, yeah. It was. This is vaguely coming back to me now, but hmm. <laughs> anyway. Oh, the days of the Commodore sixty four. I'll tell you why. Actually, just completely coincidentally, it was only two weeks ago. I I fired up my uh, Commodore sixty four emulator after not having used it for years, and I was uh, I was playing a game that um, it's called Spellbound. It was a game that. My youngest sister, it was the only game, in fact, that my youngest sister managed to clock 
that I didn't. And I was, <laughs> I was always envious, wishing I'd been able to do that. And so it, it took me only one evening now, but that evening, it was only uh, a couple of weeks back, That and that evening I had, I don't know, a, a handful of attempts and I finally clocked it. I haven't told her yet, but I'm going to send her a, a text message or an email to tell her, guess what, you know that game that you clocked way back in the 90s and I couldn't clock it and I was really envious because it was the only game that you clocked that I didn't clock? Guess what, I've just clocked it. <laughs> so I'll send her that in the next few days. Uh, I had an experience like that a couple of years ago playing a, I found online an emulation of a game that I played in primary school, but I could never work out how to get past the first room. And it was the old, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy text adventure. Oh, I see. But I couldn't get past the first room. Yeah. In, in the game when I was in primary school, but yeah, I found it emulated on the web. So I played it and, you know, clocked the whole game and, just over an hour. Did you work but, it out yourself or did you watch a YouTube clip to give you no, the answer? No, I worked it out myself because oh, I finally cool. knew what an analgesic was. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, what, what is that? Hmm? What is that? Yeah, it's like paracetamol. Oh, right. Okay. Stops your headache. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but you I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been any use to me, they would it? <laughs> well, indeed. <laughs> but that was, yeah... <laughs> As a small child in primary school, it was like, you're in your room, you've got a splitting headache, nothing's working, you've got a bathrobe and a crummy analgesic. And I was like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do with anything here? <laughs> so now- Because I had no how- idea what it was. So I didn't know what you were supposed to do with it, but it sounded like it wasn't anything that you'd want to eat. <laughs> so something like 25 years later, you've, you've worked this out? And yep. and you've you've done isn't that cool? It's cool to do that. It's cool to <laughs> to be able to do that. Yeah. Hmm. Excellent. All right, Brett. Look, let's end it there. It's been great reminiscing about the uh, you know the computers of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, I want to thank you very much for co-hosting episode three forty one. Always a pleasure, Ed. Good one. We'll do it again next time. Until then, everyone, have yourselves a fantastic week. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye bye.